0: Hello, everybody. This is Brian Smith with 321Gang, and we're here with our podcast, Change the Conversation. Um, I'm happy to welcome Bradford Lee from IBM with us this week. Hi, Bradford. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, So, uh, hey, do you know what day today is?
1: Today is May 4th. Which is? May the force be with you.
0: See, may the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day for all our, our listeners who are geeking out on May 4th and going to conventions and things like that. Uh, we're with you, so to speak. So uh, so anyway, uh, Bradford is here today to um, help us talk about cybersecurity, uh, both in the software development process as well as in a larger context uh, regarding the the implementation of regulations, um, both in practice and process, as well as in tooling, uh, and and this is a real threat, right? Right, Bradford.
1: Absolutely, and uh, it, as a matter of fact, it's a number one threat amongst uh, not only uh, chief risk officers but chief financial officers in, in the sector. Uh, That's a real position, chief chief risk officer. It is absolutely, and wow, uh, and. Chief Information Security Officer as well. So, uh-huh. so uh, but you know, the, why is this such a large concern? Is if you look at the data, the number of breaches that have occurred, and particularly in financial services, uh, that's where mm-hmm. the money is. Right? So, uh, Aon did a study in 2017, global uh, risk management study, and it said, even throughout the last year, the 2016, financial institutions faced an average of 85 serious attempts to breach their security defenses. And of which, uh,
0: each, each year, yep. 85, wow, and those are not the little ones, these are 85, but major ones.
1: Major ones, right, and of those 85, 36% of the time they were successful in getting data of uh, personal information. The second thing, Brian, is when we look at you know this and why uh, some of the regulations that we're gonna talk about, uh, particularly in the cyber risk area, uh, mm-hmm. why did the Department of Financial Services uh, Actually, come down so hard with such uh, dramatic legislation uh, and comprehensive legislation because right. the Swift tax actually went through the New York Fed. We can talk about that a little bit. Later.
0: Right. So I mean, uh, so there's a couple things people are going for. I mean, obviously, there's they could just be trying to get money out of these financial institutions, right? They have reserves of of digital money, I guess, right? And they could figure out a way to take it. Um, There's data, obviously, from people, which in the wrong hands becomes, what, um, identity theft kind of things, and then they can steal their identities and then their money some other way. I mean, uh, and then there's the the actual cost of of defending against these or or recovering from these kinds of attacks, yeah?
1: Absolutely, and I think that's one of the core things that the regulators are concerned about is the personal information that is contained Mm -hmm. with. Systems, yeah. Mm-hmm. Financial institutions need to look at this from a reputation perspective, the impact right, on them, right, um, in terms of direct cost as well as uh, cost uh, to their share price. At, at such.
0: Real quick, Bradford, um, you mentioned this share price thing, and um, one of the one of the pieces of data that you shared with me that uh, I think is relevant in that context is that. Um, Sixty-five companies were evaluated in 2017, I think, and their sh- combined share prices went down over $52 billion once they, uh, it was learned that there had been some kind of data breach, and, and that's, that's, uh, well that's real money right there, too.
1: Absolutely, and that's real money in terms of the reputation and the goodwill. You know, think about it. We've been in a period of time since 2008, since the financial crisis, where these mm-hmm. institutions have had a, a, a crisis of trust, if you will, and mm-hmm. some of the other institutions that are springing up that don't have the legacy infrastructure, don't have this black mark. But while mm-hmm. there's that 52 billion dollars or whatever the number is, uh,
0: uh, yeah,
1: 52. Uh,
0: 0.4 billion, okay? Ah, <laughs> 0.4, you know, what's, a, <laughs> yeah, what's exactly. another 400 million among friends, right? <laughs> in,
1: in terms of the share price, right? Um, when we look at this and we look at what the direct cost is to institutions, there's another study that, uh, that indicates that uh, there is substantial cost that's associated with litigation. So uh, between of course, 2008, yeah, I mean, that period that I talked about before, between 2008 and 2012, the top 10 global banks lost close to 200 billion dollars in associated wow. costs so it's not only the cost and the share That's price four times that.
0: even more so there's so i mean in total we're talking about 250 billion dollars and that's not even all the companies uh, that's just the biggest ones
1: That's right that's right and again that is the cost attributed to litigation to compensation mm-hmm. to claims to operational mishaps so
0: Are these um, numbers going up are they going down are they level uh, where where break, do you see them president. going?
1: So they are definitely, uh, and that's part of the response as well, right? So the uh, number of attacks will certainly increase um, mm-hmm. as and as there are more areas and venues, if you will, for uh, penetration. Right. We should talk about mm-hmm. that with uh, the transformation from a project perspective to a product mm-hmm. perspective customer experience, and giving people new ways to interact with their financial institutions. Um, mm-hmm. So, as such, right, this presents additional opportunity uh, for right. hackers. The other thing that's really going up, and this is where it has to, uh, at some point, end, is the sheer cost of compliance. It just is uh, it keeps going up dramatically, the amount of money that institutions are spending on compliance to do tasks and activities that are associated with getting a organizational map, right, that mm-hmm. actually aligns the business to the infrastructure and mm-hmm. where these activities are uh, potentially you
0: know, right. vulnerabilities. That mapping is something that needs to have some support from tooling. So now the these regulations are, are in place to help prevent these kinds of cyber attacks, but the infrastructure to maintain them costs money is what you're saying, right? And, and that, um, but inherently, are the regulations bad? Are, they too, are there too many? Are there too few? Or really, is it just a matter of they exist, and in order to deal with them, we want to deal with them effectively and efficiently so that we can focus on our core business?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question, and it uh, borders on the, on the political. And whether you think there's too much regulation, not you, Brian, of course, but well, if, one thinks well, if, there's, yeah. if one thinks there's too much regulation or not enough regulation, the regulation is constantly changing. And right. I think we're in a period right now where we're trying to right-size. One of the other challenges that exists within this space is there are a number of regulations and, and or standards which financial institutions have to adhere to. So notably the the one that's in this space that has come to market most recently is this uh, New York Department of Financial Services, mm-hmm. which actually covers 3,000 entities that do business within the New York state. Uh, hmm. but there, but that's not alone, right That's actually there are a series of other regulations that are built on the back of this that actually target the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. uh, it could be the ECRM, it could be uh, mm-hmm. updates to the FFIEC. Uh, rules that exist today. Um, There are uh, again a a number of these uh, uh, regulations that exist. So if you're a financial institution and you do business not only in New York State but you actually do uh, business in in other areas, you need to comply with the standards that are associated with uh, institutional bodies such as Mm -hmm. the New York Department of Financial Services which we spoke about, the Federal Reserve Bank which has its standards, and then um, additional things that are coming in light of what you asked about before with, with data, which are the UK data protection rights GDPR, which mm-hmm. are coming, the Australia Privacy Amendment, which um, mm-hmm. is around data breaches. So institutions, you know, those ones that we talked about before, they're mm-hmm. subject to all of these. And so, what is the transition that actually is required from a financial institution, while well, they have invested in the endpoints, if you will, you know, in terms of What does this regulation mean uh, Mm -hmm. in general? What does this mean
0: to us as an institution,
1: and how are we going to embody that?
0: Like its interpretation and how we're going to uh, effectively deploy our interpretation of that within our infrastructure.
1: Exactly. So a tremendous amount of spend has been in that area itself in terms of in-house personnel, Mm
0: -hmm. as well
1: as uh, securing outside counsel. And right. then on the and on the other end, Brian, which uh, is in terms of the infrastructure itself. So, how are we doing patient testing? How are we doing identity right.
0: and access management?
1: How are we doing uh, right testing? White and black box testing.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, one of the one of the uh, documents that I, I glanced through. I'm going to uh, look at my cheat sheet here. You know, there there are quite a few levels of, of, of cybersecurity that one can focus on, which. Uh, Speaks to the costs you were uh, alluding to, you know, identifying threats, uh, protecting against threats, detecting the threats, uh, responding to them, and then recovering from them. Now, um, your your role at IBM is within the what it's called now the uh, Watson IoT uh, brand and uh, focused more on on typically on software and systems engineering, right? Um, which is which is uh, a key piece to this puzzle um, can you speak a little bit to um, the practices and processes I mean financial institutions are using a lot of agile software development and using um, uh, frameworks like the scaled agile framework to, to, to scale that and how does how does um, IBM fit into that world of software systems development and as well as the more broader um secure cyber security space
1: yeah no indeed and that actually is a pretty uh, broad question and
0: yeah and, and, and <laughs> there's a lot in me, there <laughs> so, <laughs> so brian if i if i'm talking here for a, a bit of time you know you know why because i'm going to answer each one of those you know points, I, so. I just head back and get a glass of water you know it's all good <laughs> there you go
1: exactly uh, so uh, number one why right why want an iot and why your per your point are these software products uh, notably the collaborative lifecycle management uh, within this brand
0: which so way, we- let's back up so for for folks that may not know um CLM collaborative lifecycle management from IBM includes let's see if i get them right right doors next generation uh or DNG so many acronyms right, That's right. Uh, rational team concert or RTC and Rational Quality Center, or RQM. Uh, I think there's some other peripheral ones, but uh, CLM is, really uh, consists of those three. Yeah.
1: Exactly. It's it's one bundle, if you will. And so, Got why it. are we in the, why are we in the Watson Internet of Things? Well, basically, what we do is we help companies with innovation and integration. So, mm-hmm. when we look at financial services, there are two pieces to it. One is the production of products and the other one is the distribution of products and so for the traditional financial institutions to survive they have to be innovative and they have to do things in unique ways so that's the innovation component our software is delivered either on-prem or in the cloud and once they come up with a great idea uh, actually how do they do the integration so mm-hmm. uh, when you think about it uh, this next wave is really a systems of systems challenge so it's very logical for us to do. Right. <coughs> the second thing is what does this product do, right? And why are we even uh, there? So you mentioned Rational Team Concert. Uh, It has a series of templates that are part of software delivery uh, development. Mm -hmm. So those can be either in the area of traditional Waterfall or Agile or wagil or scrum you know those kinds wagil. of. Wagil.
0: <laughs> i hadn't heard that one before i know what you uh, mean but i hadn't yeah. heard it like that before yeah agile fall i guess i've heard before but Wagile is new yeah
1: <laughs> and so we've actually built a series of
0: processes uh, that are
1: germane specifically to compliance that actually mm-hmm. are part of a template this template library that's delivered to a customer
0: but back to so within So, within the RTC tool, which is a part of the CLM bundle, there are process templates that, um, I mean, for years, there's been Waterfall and Agile ones. I believe uh, there are new ones for Scaled Agile, um, just to toss that in there. But what you're saying is that there are also templates available with these tools that address um, some of the processes and practices uh, regarding cybersecurity?
1: That's, that's correct, so when we think about this, part of the issue here, one of the biggest issues for institutions is, back to that point on the endpoints, is that they actually have um, invested in the front end in terms of the regulations and on the back right. end in terms of the infrastructure, but it really there's a large degree of ambiguity as to what an institution should do, who needs to do it, and uh, right. what has, has it been done. So in addition to those components, it has a dashboard that helps for the teaming and the, and the collaboration. So mm-hmm. when you think right. about this, this ultimately all rolls up to an individual. And Scaled Agile actually has that concept of teams of teams. So you've got right. people that are working at the project level that are working at the program level, and then ultimately at the corporate level. Right. So when you think about this actual, uh, domain itself, you have to be, have the ability to be able to roll it up from you know, that base level all the way up to the, to the CISO. So what's interesting is that the CISO, right, this Chief Information Security Officer, under the NYDFS regulations, much like Sarbanes-Oxley, Sarbanes-Oxley or SOX, right? SOX, and right. And the Attestation of Earnings Section 404 of that, he or she equally need to sign off that they have the program in place that they know in the event that there is a security breach, they have to report back within 72 hours. So this concept hmm. right, of you know, whether it be software development or delivering on a program mm-hmm. with RTC's track and plan capabilities, is, right. it, helps, it helps at least at the minimum to get the organization talking.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, is uh, the CISO, is that what you said, the Chief Information Security Officer? Correct. Right. Is that is that a role that typically sits underneath the CIO, or are they um, are they equal partners in this?
1: Oftentimes equal partners. Okay. Equal partners. And so, again, in, going into the CIO, the chairman, or uh, depending mm-hmm. how the organization manages the risk, it could be a counterpart to the chief. Mm-hmm. Again, okay. I talked about Non-financial risk (NFR). This is a key mm-hmm. cap that's associated with it. Mm-hmm. So then, Brian, there's one other thing I'd like to come back to. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Again, regarding your question, um, why collaborative lifecycle management? You know, right. And and this being seeming a little bit different than the traditional um, software development. So when you right. think about software development and delivery, there's a large number of tasks that need to be orchestrated across sure and those uh, tasks are oftentimes or should be at least <laughs> aligned with delivering right to a um, you know, to a, a stakeholder and so these to, are requirements. Uh, yeah. these are basically requirements and so one right. of the things that is done within the tooling itself is managing compliance initiatives in a systematic and structured way so Within the tools, right, we've got the and software development or this manner as well. We've got traditionally the functional requirements, and mm-hmm. we equally have the non-functional requirements. And when you think about the program that's associated with compliance, many times, right, but not exclusively, is it associated with these non-functional kinds of requirements.
0: Right. <coughs> and so These compliance the, requirements, right? Is that what you're saying? Compliance, regulatory um, yeah, all, all of those things that don't actually deliver value to a stakeholder, but are necessary to meet either the compliance of of the regulations or to simply the the uh, spirit of them, which is to keep data safe and to keep accounts safe and to keep uh, breaches from happening.
1: That's absolutely right. And so how do we align right our corporate policy with the regulatory mandates mm-hmm. with the infrastructure? Who said what, when, and where? So you have a degree of familiarity with collaborative lifecycle management Mm -hmm. and what's unique about that and the the notion, right, of work items, of anyone doing work naturally Mm -hmm. in their role um, has and clicks that they take on the system is recorded. And so if we can take in, which we do in this offering, regulatory text, whether that be the client's text in an Excel spreadsheet or a document, Or regulatory text, with, you know, from the federal registry, we can ingest that, and that provides the customer a customer starting point. Right. Uh, point the team, right? So all the different parties that need mm-hmm. to team back to your point on safe, to right. collaborate to produce a incident plan or a number of deliverables that are associated with compliance. Uh, mm-hmm. It can be digested and acted upon, and decisions can be
0: can be reached.
1: So that's so one of the key tenants?
0: Yeah, yeah, so I know we probably can't talk about uh, client names specifically, but can you talk about uh, one client that you know of or that you've worked with that has um, taken these tools and deployed them in this way successfully to help them meet these uh, regulatory uh, mandates?
1: Yeah, and Brian, thank you. You know, one of the things that we uh, do here at IBM is, from a, a confidentiality perspective, when we do thing run things in the cloud, right? The data is the uh, client's data, and also, and particularly in this space of compliance and regulation, mm-hmm. our customers do not want to be held up as, you know, the standard, if you will. <laughs> because if they do right, right. Right, the regulator is going to come after them. So um, this is usually <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the tallest nail gets hit first, right? So uh,
0: <laughs> Well, you know, it's also, uh, I mean, let's know. be fair. A lot of these clients think that what they're doing is their um, their advantage in the marketplace, right? Because, I mean, they're using this solution because they believe it's the best one to, to – going back to what we talked about, if they have to – Meet these regulatory mandates, then they want to do it as efficiently and effectively uh, as possible with the least amount of investment, and so that is a competitive strategic advantage. So anyway, well, you Sorry.
1: you actually you you hit the nail on the head there. Um, is you know in this space of compliance, it is pure cost. Financial yeah. institutions do manage risk, right? I mean, that's what they do. They lend that's, money.
0: That's and, their core uh, competency. Yeah
1: exactly to counterparties but when it comes down to non-financial risk and compliance it is pure cost. Uh, Pure cost, right? Operating capital or or, uh, operating funds, right, that are assigned to OpEx or to CapEx do indeed take away from the balance sheet for them to be able to lend. But I do want to come back to your question, okay? So yes, uh, there are financial institutions that are using this today in the context of not only cybersecurity but also in the context of regulation. So, as an sure. example, um, the the Volcker Rule, which is up for debate right now in the United States, mm-hmm. um, is very broad and comprehensive, and uh, cuts to the core of that particular issue of lending, right, and trading into proprietary accounts. Mm-hmm. So, the exact uh, model here of taking in regulatory text, interpreting it for the firm, being able mm-hmm. to uh, prove a degree of compliance, and mm-hmm. And generate a set of documents. Uh, this is where companies are using this technology for not only uh, cybersecurity programs, but also for things like uh, the vocal role that's associated with the dot.
0: And and so, clients who uh, may already have some of these tools may not know that they have these templates available and that they can apply them in these uh, cybersecurity uh, environments as well. So so that's that's good news for anybody uh, watching who who may already have some of these tools but um so these, tools, these yeah. tools and other tools brian
1: so you know one of the things that we pride ourselves on is the uh, uh, architected to be open and that uh, ibm right. set down this path about 10 years ago with mm-hmm. some legacy products that were indeed in the software delivery space we looked at what is a architectural best practice and what drives the world and as such we uh modeled this off of the internet uh, with its Mm -hmm. stressful APIs and the notion of being able to link data. And this is very important because Mm -hmm. this technology or what we're trying to do for customers in aiding them is not to force them to rip and replace. So if they have made investments in some of these interpretive uh, tools on the front end or those on the back end, uh, Mm -hmm. provided they are built on a uh, platform right that actually is, has apis you know, restful uh, mm-hmm. restful architecture uh, we can uh, integrate with those and that, right. I honestly that's why uh, i think our partnership is really strong here is that you guys right. do do indeed help with some of our implementations that mm-hmm. are around in this area the, the expertise
0: well, right of- well you might be uh, reticent to uh, name them but I, i'm going to say it you know jira for example i mean at the at the developer level that's um a very popular tool and i would say in financial industries where agile is very popular a very popular tool but um i know that the clm tools um, can integrate easily with those apis and elevate that to a a place where compliance officers are happy with what they get back out of the tools so so that's one example i think you know if i'm wrong correct me please but uh, I well, think
1: that's one place. Yeah, I, Jira is a wonderful tool, and it indeed helps with tasks. Okay, and uh, right, that's what gaming. I mean at the
0: lower levels of of work on a exactly. team level, perhaps. Exactly.
1: You know, one of the challenges, uh, and this is maybe where that intersection is between uh, traditional software development and, and program, is that when we take a requirement, we have the ability to decompose that monolithic document so whether it's a structured you know one one a one b one right, a, right right
0: traditional requirements stuff.
1: or whether it be a process flow you know that mm-hmm. actually shows that uh, we're going to take this document and we're going to sign it to sam who's going to do x mm-hmm. on it and then give it to jane who's got to approve it and y that each one of those points we decompose into a uh, um, component if you will and those, mm-hmm. comp- when you think about this legislation, and back to the original point, is that regulation of too much or too little regulation. Right? It's constantly changing. So there's, mm-hmm. so this notion of work items and the concept of change management and being mm-hmm. able to work on a program that is dynamically going to change over time, create a baseline and only deal within with an environment
0: point. that's going to change all the time. A regulatory environment, right? Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts.
1: Yes, and the implementation, that's one of the things I think is a functional difference mm-hmm. between what we do in CLM and,
0: and Jira. Right.
1: The, the other thing is, you know, as we talked about, per your point, it's safe.
0: Right. right. The teams Scaled out your framework. Mm-hmm.
1: No issue. If, a team, if one team wants to work with Jira, there is the ability to be able to integrate that team, but how do you actually take teams of teams and roll them up? And, right. And, and,
0: and in an effective way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fun. Well, cool. So um, so for the folks uh, who made it this far through the podcast, uh, they've taken away a lot of good information. Uh, what can they, if they want to uh, learn more, what do they do? I mean, we're going to put some links at the bottom of this so they can link to some other things, but do you have any recommendations for for our viewers? Well,
1: I mean, of course, reach out to us. This is the beginning mm-hmm. of a journey and a conversation, and either to the gang or to, to, to me and sure. The, even that supports these products you know, that's number one we'd love to yeah. continue the conversation number two yeah. is I think we're going to have a webcast right in terms of some of those we'll show uh, more mm-hmm. of this in the comments. so come back right um, and right uh, see some of the detail
0: yeah so so the link to that webcast uh, which will be in the near future will be at the bottom of this and and people uh, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and, and those kinds of things and uh, and, you know, real one last, one last thing uh, before we sign off here, Bradford, is, uh, you know, the gang, we focus a lot on systems and systems engineering, and I know you do as well. This conversation today was more around, um, around financial services and, and that world, but uh, cybersecurity is a, is a big deal in the systems engineering and uh, IoT space as well. Uh, automobiles becoming you know more more connected um being driverless i mean gosh that seems crazy to me but i read something recently that people didn't like uh um, attendant less elevators a hundred or so years ago so i mean i guess in a hundred years people may be uh, all used to automated cars and uh Military and you know all sorts of other places where uh, cybersecurity is a huge huge issue um, and and the regulations are different and they're always changing. so I think a lot of what we've talked about here can apply to other other industries where cybersecurity is a big deal. So I just wanted to
1: absolutely to, the, uh, the, the issues and challenges are, are universal in terms of how do we collaborate, how do we act on it? What is the mm-hmm. state to where we are, and uh, what are we with the fulfillment of it? So again, there are this is germane to financial services, mm-hmm. germane to a public company right, that we talked about before, and mm-hmm. indeed, you know, it's this, uh, this notion right of the of being able to take all of that to generate reports, uh, attestation reports, right, and right, have a response plan. These are all of the things that this product mm-hmm.
0: needs. Right. Well, good. Bradford Lee with IBM, the IoT Watson uh, division. Really appreciate you uh, joining us and sharing your expertise. Brian, thank you for the time. And uh, again, uh, we really appreciate the partnership. Yep. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So uh, everyone, you've been watching 321 Gangs Change the Conversation video podcast. Join us again next time. Links down below for more information and to subscribe to our channel. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much.